Hey everyone, welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, a podcast that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product designers, and other industry professionals. This podcast is run by Macro Design and Invent and hosted by Philip Belecha. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to putting your product on the shelf. We're taking you step-by-step step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Now onto the show. Never doubt yourself. If you have conviction and you have a dream and you believe with your heart of hearts what you're doing is right, never give up. Follow it through and never look back. You know, because if you believe in a dream, other people will too. And they'll follow you. And it becomes their dream too. The Product Startup, Episode 17. Welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, helping you turn ideas into successful products step-by-step with your host, Philip Valitza. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Startup Podcast. In the last episode, we talked with Luke Lucas from Fadis. Luke owns and runs this startup food production business. They specialize in the production of low FODMAP, gluten-free, and other allergy-friendly food that they sell online. Luke quit his career in finance last year to open a cafe and retail outlet, and him and his partner Chrissy have worked full-time in the business ever since. So make sure to check out that episode if you want to hear how Luke and Chrissy validate the food in their cafe and then sell what works through their online store. Before we get started today, I wanted to highlight one reviewer on iTunes. Matt Hoffma wrote, Philip does a great job with these podcasts. Very inspirational stuff for a young entrepreneur. Hey, thanks, Matt, for taking the time to leave a review. You may recognize Matt and Eric from guests on the show back on episode five. They talked about mini materials, their miniature construction material product line. I know they listen to the show regularly, so thanks for the support, guys. Today, I'm joined by Damian Lee of Mr. Lee's Noodles for a truly inspirational episode. He served in the Australian Special Forces, was a city headhunter, as a single dad of two and stage four cancer survivor. He lost his latest startup, but cleaned up his diet to help beat the cancer and realized that he loved noodles, but hated all the nasty chemicals in them. So he created his own healthy gluten-free pot noodle, which he'll soon start selling on university campuses through high-tech noodle kiosks. So let's get started. Hi, Cassie and Damien. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, hi. Hi. So how did you get started with that? Right. Well, my, my, my journey with the noodles, I mean, if you want me to go way back or, or, or start right with, the, with Mr. Lee's noodles? Yes. <laughs> Whatever you feel comfortable talking about. <laughs> well, look, I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. You know, uh, today I'm 49 years old today and, uh, you know, I've had a very... Yeah, not not to, when I say today, not today. I always every say that time, every, every time. time. Not today, but today I'm 49. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm originally from Sydney, Australia, um, but I've lived you know uh, throughout the world over over many years, and uh, I've developed and created businesses across the globe. Um, crashed some, had successes. Uh, you know, had a had a real wonderful journey. So like any, any good entrepreneur, I think you have to go through the whole curve up and down to uh, really get to grips and, and, and manage, manage businesses properly. Um, so my experience is, look, I, I've, I've been, yes, I've been a city headhunter. And what I mean by the city, for the American folk out there, the city is your Wall Street in the U.S. We call it the city here in the United Kingdom. 
uh, my work for some of the largest investment banks, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Deutsche Bank, etc., etc. Some of the biggest interdealer broking firms, Cantor Fitzgerald and Tullet Prebon. Um, so, you know, particularly in the investment banking industry for many, many years and was ranked pretty much one of the world's top interdealer broking headhunters and headhunting firms, which were, we were in, in fact voted by the Economist Intelligence Unit, the EIU, as one of the world's top 10 leading headhunting firms. And that was a company I established from my living room many years ago. And we eventually uh, expanded into Singapore, the US and, uh, and Paris, uh, France and here in the UK. Uh, that business I eventually sold off, and the business is still operating today in, in Singapore uh, under some of my former employees. But I sort of moved into other businesses, and I've been trading oil in Nigeria. I've um, had a security company operating in Iraq and Afghanistan. I founded uh, a, a, a satellite communications company, which is now the world's second largest maritime satellite communications company. Um, I have owned restaurants and bars in Sweden and England and Australia. So I've had a real broad um, sort of background in building businesses. And as I said, some are still here today in different guises and some are gone. But um, today I'm a noodle man. Wow. And uh, that, that kind of happened when, uh, you know, the journey for me in this, in this current form started uh, in a sense, a couple of years back when I moved from London, where I, I lived for many years, um, you know, running different businesses, and I moved down to where we're currently located in Bournemouth, down here in Dorset in England, which is a beachside resort town, uh, two hours out of London. And I, I kind of got attracted to this place uh, three years ago when I first came down here to uh, see the Bournemouth Air Show. And I thought, wow. You know, they've got a seven-mile-long, sandy, white beach, and this is England. I can't believe it. And it was just like back home in Australia. And, you know, I was instantly bonded with this town. I thought, my God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm through with the big city of London, and uh, I really want to get back by the sea. So uh, I, made a, I made a decision pretty quickly and said, you know what, I'm going to move down to Bournemouth. And I was coming to the end of my headhunting business where I knew after running that business for, for almost, gosh, 14 odd years, um, that I was looking for a new business. And one of my dreams and longtime ambitions was to start an internet startup company, .com. And I came down here with my dreams and visions of my uh, .com company and, and, and I started it. And that company at the time was called Design Gadgets, and we were an internet startup company. And what we were all about was about working with uh, SME and, and startup um, technology companies, particularly the ones working on the crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, if you're familiar with those crowdfunding platforms. And we were all about championing these guys that you know got their funding, their, their technology was going to see the light of day, and we were going to move them on to the next stage, make really cool video about them. Uh, we were having academia, we we're going to help the, these guys with their projects, and then we were going to be the natural next step to, to launch them online through our, through our shop and so on. Anyway, that's, that's a much bigger story than that, but the, the point is, I was uh, 10, 11 months into that business and things were going great. And, uh, you know, we had about 20, 30 people uh, involved around that business at the time. And, uh, you know, I just secured, uh, at the time I'd put all my personal investment into that business and I just secured my first big round of external funding. And, uh, you know, we were high-fiving and hollering and woohoo. And uh, literally a week later, I was diagnosed with cancer. Wow. 
and uh, I was diagnosed with late stage 4 cancer. It was in my chest, it had spread to my stomach, and at the time the doctors had said, well, Damien, um, you've, you've, you've You've only got a few weeks left. It's, it's pretty well developed. And, uh, you know, our recommendation is you make plans. We understand you're a single dad with two young boys. And uh, you probably want to get your personal affairs in order. And I said, wow, really? Um, well, you know, what's, what's my options here? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, we could start treatment if, if you chose to start treatment, um, you know, chemo and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, some people at your stage choose just to sort of live out those last last weeks or, or month or so, you know, as best well you can rather than starting starting chemo. But, you know, we will give you the option if you'd like to try it, you know, why not? So at that point, you know, I was determined and I knew, you know, I didn't plan to go anywhere, especially for the sake of my two young boys. Um, and I still felt I had a lot of living left to do. Um, I made the decision straight away, well, bring on the chemo and bring everything you want to throw at me. But also, uh, my girlfriend, Lenker, um, was a very big part of my, my life and recovery and, and, and so forth, where Lenker said, Damien, you've got to make every change in your life right now, and that starts with your diet. You know, and, uh, you know, look, I, I, being a busy guy, an entrepreneur, I, I always took shortcuts a lot to eating. I mean, I love love good eating, but when you're time poor and so forth, you tend to take shortcuts. And uh, one of my biggest vices was instant noodles. You know, they're quick, they're easy, they're convenient and so on. And I used to eat lots of nasty, <laughs> uh, convenient sure. uh, noodles, ramen noodles. So anyway, so at that point when I said, all right, well, let's change the diet, let's change the lifestyle, let's do everything I've got to do to get through this, this period of my life, um, I went raw and, uh, you know, took out all the nasties, took out all the sugars and, and, and really sort of cleansed my body and mind and soul and, uh, and went on this one year sort of journey of chemo and, and, and raw carrots, <laughs> etc. And uh, I was lucky enough, 12 months sort of later, to be given the all clear by my doctors and they said you're not only in remission you're in complete remission and i said well what's the difference and they said well remission means the disease is going in the right way and we're happy and it's you know it's disappearing complete remission means there's no sign of the disease left in your body and uh you know i had uh, i think it was near on 18 rounds of chemo and chemo related treatment as well within all that i lost uh, my ribs on my right hand side it dissolved through the tumors i lost seven eight and nine and partially four five and six at the time as well and apparently they're growing back now wow but point is you know I, I got through what i had to get through but i lost my business as well at that time i lost design gadgets people had to get on with their lives you know uh, the investors that i had pulled in had you know moved on with their lives and i was pretty much left with nothing <laughs> you know i'd invested all my personal income up to that point to get it to where it needed to be and uh, I had to do a lot of soul searching that 12 months later and think, well, wow, what am I going to do now? Do I, you know, get design gadgets going again? Do I try and start that? Well, God forbid, do I get a job? And I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. And um, I thought, well, yeah, I need to find something new. What can I do? So I said to Lenker, I said, look, you know, I can finally travel again and get on a plane why don't we go to greece and let's spend uh, with the boys and spend you know uh 10 days in greece have a relax just think about things more clearly and and decide what we're going to do so i went to greece and i was laying on the beach with lenker and you know looking up at the stars and said you know what i've got an idea 
you know how I used to love my noodles and I love instant noodles. And you know how I was talking about all that technology of design gadgets and so forth. Uh, and there was a little bit more of a backstory as well, because, and, and let me just quickly go into that, was during my period at Design Gadgets, I knew two Chinese brothers in China, and they're in fact China's fifth largest instant noodle manufacturer. And uh, during my time at Design Gadgets, and, they, and they, they, I think they sell something like four billion instant noodle cakes a year Jeez. just in China. They had approached me and said, Damien, on one of their visits to the UK, they said, Damien, we would really love to expand our noodle business to the UK. Can you help us? And I said to them at the time, I said, listen, and funny enough, their names are Lees as well. They're the Lee brothers like, like me. Um, I said to them at the time, I said, look, I know nothing about retail. I know nothing about supermarkets. Uh, I've never done it before. Uh, the only thing I know about noodles is how to eat them. Um, you know, and by the way, I'm busy with my startup company anyway. And uh, so I said, look, pass on this. I'm really sorry. So kind of when I was lying on that beach at Greece, I thought, well, maybe, you know what, just maybe I could do that noodle and I could be that noodle guy for them and bring that noodle because I need to do something and I could be the UK European distributor. But then I thought, well, hang on a second. What am I saying? Because I know their noodles are full of MSGs, full of E's and full of all sorts of nasty things. And in fact, quote their own words themselves, they said, Damien, we wouldn't eat our own noodles. And that was a big revelation for me when they said uh, that to me. And I thought, you wouldn't eat your own noodles? And they said, God, no. <laughs> wow. I was like, wow. So, and I thought to that, at that point on the beach, I thought, well, hang on. Yes, it's something I could do, but hang on. How could I put my hand on my heart of hearts and start to market and sell a noodle that I know is full of rubbish? And especially what I know, and I'm a big believer now in you are what you eat. Absolutely. I, I can't do that. So that kind of then spawned the idea, well, hang on, I love noodles and I, I need to do something. Maybe I could do a noodle. You know what, damn it, I'm going to do my own damn noodle. And it's going to be a noodle that's good for you. There's going to be no artificial additives, preservatives, colors, no nasties, no anything. I'm going to make a good noodle and I'm going to bring it to the world with my sort of philosophy about eating and life and inspiring people to eat better, um, doing better and, and, and bring a, a very special, unique noodle. So that was the beginning of my idea of Mr. Lee's noodles. But then, like I told the Lee brothers, I said, I don't know anything about retail. I don't know anything about supermarkets. And I thought, mm -hmm. Hmm. how am I going to bring my noodle if I do this to the market? And that's when I thought, you know what, I've got to do something innovative and different. And that's when I thought, I'm going to create a noodle vending machine wow. to go my noodle. Right. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go out and find one. So I came back to the UK and soon discovered there ain't any noodle vending machines. <laughs> no one's really doing it. There have been people that have tried sort of odd iterations of it, but there's been nothing out there today that's taken a... a big leap forward in terms of noodle kiosks. And I thought, well, maybe that's a good reason. Maybe that's a bad reason. I don't know. But regardless, I'm going to get on with it. So I went down, it was, gosh, just over a year ago now, we started the journey of developing, firstly, my, my food business, the noodle, the noodle, and developing the noodle. And secondly, developing our very own noodle kiosk. Because if there isn't one, we have to make one and develop one, which, we, we, which we've done. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of the beginning of Mr. Lee's noodles. It was born from there. Wow, that's a really inspirational story. So for nobody really has an excuse to not get started on their idea after that. 
So you said before that there weren't any kiosks that dispense instant noodles. I know I've seen some kiosks that were doing pizza. Mm -hmm. How did you get to that point where you said, you know what, I don't have as much experience creating this specific technology, but I'm going to get into it anyway, because it seems like a good marriage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly that. I had no experience whatsoever. Outside of my experience from design gadgets when I was working with startup companies and technology guys and, you know, working with really cool people with really cool ideas. Um, so it was kind of a head start because I had a relationship with our two local universities here in Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth University and Arts University Bournemouth, because I was bringing academia into my previous startup and getting academia to be involved in helping these sort of startup guys with their technology. I, was, I, I got to know these two universities very well and they got to know me very well. So that was a big step um, because I went into the university when I, I, I firstly after I came back from um, Greece, if I take a step back, I sat down and wrote a business plan. I spent two months on my business plan, just getting my thoughts right, doing my research and looking into the technology and realizing there isn't what I needed out there. Boy, I'm going to have to go and create it. Um, but after two months, I was ready to approach my local university contacts and say, hey, guys, I've got this noodle idea. I'm back, by the way, from cancer, and I've got a new business I'm doing. Um, and I'm going to create a noodle vending machine with healthy noodles. And they were like, wow, what a great idea. And I said to the guys, and I had some 3D mock-ups of my vision. Okay, I had no proven technology at that point. I had my graphic designer do a 3D mock-ups of the pots of our noodles and the, the vending machine. And I went to the university and said, this is my vision of Mr. Lee's noodles. What do you think? And they said, wow, what a cool, wonderful idea. We love this journey you've been on and the story. Great. So can we taste the noodles? I said, no, because I haven't made them yet. But this is what, <laughs> this is what they look like in the pot. Um, great. Well, where do we see the vending machine? Well, I haven't created that yet either. But, you know, here's what I want it to look like. Right. And they're like, Okay. Uh, and I said, well, you know, if I put all this together, can I put it on the, your university? Because who's the biggest eaters of instant noodles? It's students, you know, time, you know, students that are looking for cheaper, convenient, easy food. And yeah, that's a great place for me to start. I want to put my noodles in vending machines on universities. And I want to start here at Bournemouth University. And the guys at Bournemouth University said, that's great. Damien, look, we're going to support you in your idea, even though you haven't yet created any of them. <laughs> but there's one problem. And I said, well, what's that? And I, they said, look, we don't control the food and beverage on our university. And I said, what do you mean you don't? You, you're Bournemouth University. They said, yeah, yeah. But the food and beverage facilities, they're contracted out. And it's not just Bournemouth University, Damien. You're going to find that's on most of the universities. They're given out to these big companies. And I said, well, what company is that? And they said, well, in our instance, it's a company called Compass Group. I said, Compass Group, who are they? They said, well, they're the world's largest contract catering company. And their competitor is a company called, in America, uh, oh. Aramark, mm -hmm. which is the American equivalent. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, it's, a, it's Sodexo. And they're the three biggest contract catering companies in the world. And I said, well, I've never heard of any of them. <laughs> and they said, well, look, the first step is you need to convince them that your noodles and noodle kiosks should be at Bournemouth University. And I went, oh, no, my heart sank. Right. And I said, I don't know anyone there. And they said, look, we'll introduce you to the local manager. Anyway, long and the short of it is uh, I met the guy, Ricky King, and uh, he said, hey, what a great idea, blah, blah, blah. Um, we think it's great, but it's not my decision. You have to go right up through the corporate chain. 
and uh, meet with them. And they have this group called uh, the Idea Works, which is Compass Group's equivalent of Dragon's Den. I think you have that in the U.S. as well. You know, these yep. panelists sit there and you pitch your idea. Right. And they said, we kind of have this panelist, the Idea Works, through Compass Group. And you pitch to them, and they basically look for SMEs, small SMEs in the food and food technology business to give them a chance here in the U.K., and we pick four every year. And I said, wow, okay. So the long journey began with Compass Group, and uh, that was about a, a four-month process to be able to get through to the pitch stage where we were accepted into, I think, thousands of U.K. SMEs applied and they picked four. We were one of those four and we pitched and we were successful, but still at that point, we didn't really have a product. And uh, what the, the, and I'll get to the, your question in a sec, but the major point was we ended up winning Compass Group contract based on our idea, wow. based on our vision, based on unproven technology or soups outside of our pilot soups that were developed in cups that I had cellophane and, and, and photocopied paper wrapped around the cups, <laughs> you know, with right. our, again, my 3D mock-ups, and, uh, and pitched them. And they said, yeah, we love this idea. We're going to give you a shot. And we are the first company, from what I've been told, to ever win a Compass Group contract that has never been proven or uh, a company or a food product yet in the market. We're just a concept at that stage. And uh, which was a major feat and achievement. So, so that's when really the journey began to say, wow, I've really got to now get these soups down pat. I've really got to get this technology built and, and really get this sorted out because we now have the biggest whale in the food and beverage industry in the world, Compass Group, that also operate, I believe, in something like 100 other countries, including the U.S. and everywhere. I think they've got different names in the U.S., but they operate a hell of a lot of defense force bases and hospitals and unis in, in the US as well, um, they were ready to give us our chance. So so the journey began. That's a really amazing story because like you said, most people that get started, especially if they're looking for angel investment or some investors just to come in to give them maybe forty, fifty thousand dollars no one's going to turn over money unless you've got a working prototype at the very least and somehow that you've tested your market. So that's really amazing that you're able to do that. Do you have any insight into why they might have taken the chance with you? Is it probably because of your background and you're able to really speak to your vision and sell the panel? Yeah, I mean, good question. And I, and I think, look, I think a lot of people, and including the team that I sort of developed around the idea at the time and at that time, uh, one or two sort of angel investors that came in believing in my business plan that I, as I said, spent two months on. And believing in the dream I had and the vision I had, and a lot of people got enthusiastic and excited about, hey, a healthy cup noodle, wow. And the fact that you've come back almost from the dead to create it based on your beliefs of eating better um, and knowing that the cup noodle sector is an instant noodle sector is a huge, huge segment all around the world, but all these people are eating crap and not many people are making good ones, what a great idea. So people quickly sort of bought into, let's bring a healthy 100% natural noodle to the market. And then people quickly got, hey, what a cool idea, creating a vending machine to vend it and put them on universities and colleges. So it was, a, it was an easy sell and an easy concept for people to get their heads around. And the fact that I was getting a lot of traction, and particularly from Compass Group, who said, we love this and we believe in this too, and we want it, 
just made it easy after that because I said I didn't even yet have the product developed and you know I didn't I was speaking to potential packers and developers and, and suppliers and whatever that were also believing in the concept so I was getting a lot of support from different areas even though at that time we didn't have big budgets we didn't have you know we had an angel investor that came in and promised us uh, you know to pretty much finance us to the end um, although their circumstances changed a little further down the road and that's another story but um, no, no, I think people, people understood what we were doing and, and, and felt it was a good idea. So that helped a lot. And I've noticed that in maybe a couple other instances where there's been a startup that has done something that's been so unique that it creates its own traction in the market where you, you just put out a couple pieces in the media and it naturally kind of builds on itself as opposed to having to sell your story and sell uh, what you're about and where you come from and why people need it. And it's just this huge, heavy push in order to convince people to buy it versus having a product that by itself stands on its own that people get instantly. So that's the kudos to you for having that idea and, and bringing it forward. Were you worried at all about someone, especially since you were talking to people in the industry about someone taking that idea and running with it without you? Yeah, sure. Um, look, there, there's, a, there's a couple of other brands here in the UK that um, I benchmarked firstly um, my product against one of the UK's leading brands where I, I, I wanted to seek out and felt who's the best noodle in the market. Now, I won't say who that brand is, but there's one particular brand here in the UK. And I thought, right, that's the brand we're just going to be better than. And we're going to do their product 10 times better. And then we've that, so we have our benchmark, and but very quickly I felt mm, you know these guys started hearing about us because you know things things travel quickly, and I felt well, wow maybe these guys are going to start to maybe hook onto this noodle uh, kiosk idea quickly as well and try and find one themselves, but my my key strategy in terms of making sure that the the other guys the big brands the established brands that are already out there couldn't get the traction that we got uh, was by locking up the real estate. That was key for me because if we could lock up the real estate, and what I mean by the real estate, the ideas of Compass Group, Compass sure. Group here alone just in the UK managed 10,000 sites. And when I mean sites, you know, Bournemouth University is a site, you know, Portsmouth right. Naval Base, the biggest naval base in the UK is one site and so on. Twickenham Football Stadium is one site. Yeah. So, so within each site, there's multiple vending opportunities within each site. So just by securing one big client and the biggest, um, we very quickly lock out our competitors um, from getting traction and quick traction. So part of my strategy was, as I said, was first to go out there and win the whale compass group and then meet the others who, you know, we're already in discussions with, you know, and speaking to, you know, Aramark and Sodexo as well, who are very interested in the idea as well and so on. So that was key. Real estate is king in this, in the vending business. Yeah, absolutely. Distribution, right? Secure your, your, your rights. So, absolutely. but even so, you know, going up to against probably one of the largest distributors or, or largest companies that would probably buy your products, it must've seemed a daunting and b they have their own teams of people that are working on products, right? Mm -hmm. And so what is their incentive to buy into you? I mean, don't get me wrong. I think your story is super compelling and that probably helped win 60, 70% of the way there. But as an engineer, we've gone and, and pitched products to some companies and it's always been, you have to walk that hairline on how much IP you share with them or how many details you go into because you're, you want to be seen as a partner, not a competitor they're going to steal an idea from. 
I guess when you had talked with them, you, you felt pretty comfortable to, to kind of go into the detail that you did? Yeah, I mean, when you, when you run any business, of course, you have to be careful of giving away the sort of the, the kitchen sink and the keys to the, the living room and so on. Absolutely. Um, we've been very careful in our partners we've chosen um, and, and who we work with for, for various reasons. Um, you know, NDAs and so forth. Okay, that's one form of sort of uh, a, a lockdown in a sense. But, you know, how, how significant is that? I mean, I think it's, 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 a, better, it's a matter of getting to the market quickly and, and getting, getting, getting yourself spread, as I said earlier, getting real estate, mm-hmm. uh, developing a product that as far as we're concerned and, and, and certainly many people now that are reviewing our product and so forth can, are saying that it's, it's, it's the best pot noodle in the market. So for us, we're calling ourselves the champagne of noodles. Okay, We, we are the gourmet pot noodle or, or cup noodle. So, so it's about creating a superior product. And uh, for the others, uh, in terms of the way they do their noodles and their products, we, we have a different technique, the way we actually create and make our noodles. We use freeze-dried ingredients and a lot of it, where a lot of the other brands use dehydrated ingredients, for example. Free freeze-dried ingredients are more expensive. Um, they're more nutritious. They lock in all the flavor and goodness. The other brands... Um, use dehydrate, as I said, which sucks out all the goodness, all the nutrition, they're cheaper to use and so on. So they have cheaper manufacturing processes. But another part of our strategy, which I'm also doing very differently to the the, the other guys, is my strategy here in the UK at the moment is not take it to the supermarket strategy. <laughs> now, as I told the Lee brothers in China many years ago, I don't know a damn thing about the supermarket business. And I'm purposely keeping it that way right now. And people are like, well, Damien, are you crazy? Are you mad? What do you mean? You've created a product. The biggest dream or goal is to try and get your product into the supermarket, isn't it? Well, my belief and strategy is no, it isn't. Because that's where all the other guys are. They're all on the supermarket shelf. And they, as you said, mentioned earlier, they got the big advertising budgets, they got the brand recognition, they got the they got everything. So I don't want to be on the supermarket shelf with 20 other brands competing with them because what I did learn from the Lee brothers in China was the noodle market and the competition is getting tougher and tougher. Everybody's dumbing down their product, okay, because they're being squeezed on price and margin. Yep. So they're trying to compete to stay in that game they're having to, as I said, dumb down their product. And what that means is you and I, the consumer, are suffering. Yeah, it's a race We're, to the bottom. That's right. Our big race to the bottom. Yep. And you and I, as the consumer, are eating more and more rubbish because they're feeding us rubbish because they can't afford to put goodness into their food pots. So I thought, I'm not going to get into that game. We're going a totally different direction. We're going to go into the corporate market where there are none of these guys are playing like we're going to play. And what I mean by that is the airline sector, the hotel sector, the compass group, the, you know, the, the, the office canteen sector. We're going direct to the market in a different direction. I don't want to be um, on that supermarket shelf where the supermarkets are dictating price to us. They're, they're, we're paying listing fees and all this. So I don't want to get in that game. We will build a market through the corporate sector first. We will build a reputation and a brand. And when the supermarkets do come and knock on our door, and they will, it'll be on our terms. 
and will be a brand that's already potentially recognized through through our sectors, as I said, because we, we've got airlines interested in our product. We've got, you know, we've, we've hotel chains are taking on our product now. Compass Group, our vending machines will be out from September and so on and so on. So I have a different approach to the market than, than all the other brands have ever done. That's an excellent strategy, right? Be where no one else is and you eliminate competition <laughs> just naturally. <laughs> Just naturally. Mm-hmm. That's amazing advice. Thank you for sharing that. So you've gone through the design and you said you, your machines are going to be on the floor and at the end of this year or by, by fall this year. That's right. Uh, can you kind of share some of the development that went, went into that? How much of a hand did you have in, in that with your vision and how much maybe did, did you work with a product development company at all to build those or? Sure. Um, so yeah, taking it back again, when I, as I said, when I, I went on the journey to look for the noodle vending machine or noodle kiosk, as we call them, and found that there wasn't anything in the market off the shelf that I could buy, um, I had to go in search of, of developing one. And that started with finding, wow, how do I find a noodle, that, a machine that vends a pot noodle? You know, and injects hot water in through the foil lid and delivers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, I did manage to find one company that was doing something, but not quite what I wanted. Uh, you know, over here in Europe, and they were just small, small guys. And uh, you know, I approached them and I said, "Look, you know, my vision for a noodle vending machine is very different to what you've developed here. My vision for a noodle vending machine is big touch screens, cashless." Uh, you know, content on the screen, entertaining, engaging the, the consumer, et cetera, et cetera. And they went, wow, you know, why? <laughs> and I said, you don't get it because a noodle vending machine and the whole concept around vending a noodle is very different to vending a Kit Kat or a Mars bar. And they said, how come? What do you mean? I said, look, you've got your noodle. Think about it. I said, Vending today is very dull and boring. There's no experience when you go up to a vending machine and buy your junk food out of it today. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, look, you go in, you look through the glass window and you see Kit Kats or rows of candy or crisps or whatever. You select one, it drops down and you take it and off you go. Yeah, if you're There's lucky, no the spiral doesn't get caught and you know, right. you're not shaking the machine. That's your excitement exactly. for the day. Shaking your money's <laughs> I said, that's the thing for dinosaurs. I said, right. You've, we've got to shake up the market. We've got to change all that. We've got to do things differently. And they said, but have you, have you been in vending before? I said, never. <laughs> but I'm a consumer. I know what I want. I know the experience I want. And I don't have to be someone from the vending industry to tell me what sort of an experience I would want from, from something that I believe should be there in the market. And I'm going to make it. And I'm going to tell you how. And they were like, oh, okay, tell us how. And I said, look, Put the big touchscreens, big 32, 42-inch touchscreens. Make third-party commercials, viral videos, infomercials on those screens. Because I said the key thing is here, which we've done now with our machines, is when you go to a Mr. Lee's noodle kiosk, the whole vending time is a 45-second from select to vend delivery time, 45 seconds. Right. You've got a captive audience. Exactly. Now, what opportunity have we got there around that screen in that 45 seconds to, as I said, entertain, engage, deliver, inform? I said, if we're on university colleges and campuses with all those millennials, now advertising companies know you're lucky if you've got a millennial for three seconds before they swipe past you on their smartphone. Right. At Mr. Lee's noodle kiosk, they've got to stay for 45 seconds waiting for that soup. You have got that captive audience. And I said, that's a unique proposition. They can't walk away. 
they're there. So if we're entertaining them on that screen or there's a cool ad or a cool commercial or whatever, we have got them. And think again, in high footfall areas at universities, it might not just be one person, it might be their two or their three, four friends around that screen. So the long and the short of this, what I ended up developing with these guys and finding the, uh, a software guy and developer and so forth and combined um, all this into this dinosaur machine that I found and redeveloped it into a machine that, you know, now we own the IP for and have developed it, and it's our Mr. Lee's Noodle Kiosk, is we have a cashless vending machine with 32-inch, which will eventually be 42-inch touchscreens. They record client demographic information. In other words, our Mr. Lee's Noodle Kiosks are smart. He understands if you're a male or a female. He understands your age group within a five-year age uh, gap. So he will then be able to push smart advertising aimed at whoever's in front of him. He will be able to capture that client demographic information. In other words, 762 people walked past this location today. Of those 762, 520 were females aged between the ages of 18 and 20, and so on and so on. So, so this becomes very powerful information. We can also return to our host, uh, the site as well. You know, for example, Compass Group uh, here at Bournemouth University, they know today they sold 1,000 meals in their canteen, sure. but they don't know that today 4,000 people passed through there, but they only sold 1,000 meals. And of those 4,000 passed through... Yeah, that 25% conversion, right? Exactly, exactly. So this sort of information for their marketing teams becomes invaluable because they go, wow, why did we only sell 1,000 meals to 4,000 people? Of those 4,000 people, you know, 2,600 females aged between, et cetera. So this is powerful information, which a Mr. Lee's noodle kiosk can return to the host site as well. So it's powerful for the host site, it's powerful for us, it's powerful for third-party advertisers and so on. So we, we actually become much more than a vending machine, but we're actually a new digital media platform as well. Um, uh, in demographic locations. Yeah, and that gives you a lot of control because you're able to roll out whatever you'd like. You can have, uh, you know, an advertisement for Mr. Lee's noodles on the screen before someone walks up to it. Maybe someone's preparing fresh noodles with fresh ingredients and it's kind of drawing them to the machine. And then once they get to the machine, that changes into something else that you've decided to send them. That's interesting. So uh, is the technology that you're using based on camera type, like Microsoft Connect, where they're recognizing people based on images or... How are you identifying your demographics? Exactly, based okay. on sort of recognition, sort of technology. That's pretty amazing. Any worries with privacy or anything like that? Yeah, UK, UK laws, uh, I think, you know, a lot of countries have their own sort of quirks in terms of laws. But in the UK, as long as we black out the faces, we're not capturing their, their facial images. We're just capturing demographic data, you know, female, 18 to 25. That's the information we're storing, right. not, you know, oh, there's the image capture and so forth because, you know, that's the urine murky water there. Right. So it's just, just, just data that we're capturing. That's amazingly powerful. I mean, you could basically be turned into a media company in, you know, two or three years as well. That's right. Well, that's, that's part of our game plan. We're, and I always say it here, we're one, we're a food business and two, we're a technology business. Yep. So we're, it's a twofold business that we're developing here. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. That's And you're going to be in 10,000 locations, hopefully, within the next few years. Did you guys talk about your rollout or how fast you can get to uh, yeah, yeah. We said we start our, our initial phase in September. Uh, over here in the UK, it's probably the same in the US. September is when the universities come back, the students start start again in mid-September mid here in the UK. 
Um, so we start our first rollouts into the university sector then, and then we'll be rolling into defense force, hospitals, corporates, hospitals, et cetera, et cetera, after then. But yeah, so that all starts in September. We, we have our international rollout plan as well. We'll be looking to come into the US. Uh, we already start in, we've started in Scandinavia as well, uh, in Denmark and soon Sweden. And, and so on and so on. So, uh, you know, really things for us are just about to begin. We, our product, just the, the noodle product itself, um, goes online on Amazon in uh, mid-August. Excellent. So you buy it on, through Amazon and then through various retail outlets as we start to, uh, well, retail outlets I call, you know, sort of, you know, offices and staff canteens and hospitals and so forth and hotels. Yeah, and Amazon's basically a no-brainer because they do all your fulfillment. I mean, their margins are pretty high. They want to take a good piece of your profit, but uh, at the same time, it's one of the largest e-commerce sites in the world. And, and especially in the U.S., you know, they've moved to certain items, especially grocery items, are now same-day delivery. Amazon Prime, which has been two-day delivery, is just insanely popular here. So so we've conditioned this culture where we want things now instantly right and and your product kind of goes along with that so that's that's awesome that's very exciting uh, how are you able to keep on top of all these things got a great team got a great team around me Kasha here so hi cash hi <laughs> you know head of our marketing communications you know we've built uh, in in the short time that we've been around which is really as said you know the company was registered here in the UK back in July, so just over a year ago. Um, but we took our offices that we now sit in here in the in the town centre in November. Was it cash November? Yes, November. November. Mm -hmm. And the team, the team. There were a lot of people. Well, there were a lot of people. There were a number of people moonlighting before before that, you know, and their other jobs and believing in the dream. But the team started coming together from January of this year, and today around our business, there's approximately 18 people in the business today from logistics to uh, brand management, design, our digital media team, you know, legal uh, operations and sales, et cetera. So we've got a great little team. And, you know, that's for me, that's the big part of it, you know, having a team of believers um, and, and they believe in the product, they believe in the vision and dream, and hopefully they believe in me, <laughs> um, you know, help me, help me, uh, helping, uh, helping me build this dream. That's really exciting. I mean, what could be better? You're working on something you absolutely believe in, something that you know is going to have a worldwide impact. And people maybe uh, don't think in those terms. Sometimes they, they, they sit up and look at the stars and say, how can I affect uh, this huge mass of people? And you don't run to instant noodles. But to you, it speaks just volumes. And I could absolutely see how in, you could have an effect on everyone's health from the ground up. You know, they're starting at the university level and you could be the first person that introduces them to all natural noodles and they might not ever want to go back. Yeah, absolutely. And look, Cash is, Cash is suggesting i tell you one more thing about what we're going to be doing is part of our USP around our brand and product is we're not just a noodle. OK, we're, we are about sort of eating better and living better and bringing that message to people and, and helping time poor people have better food and eating options around these, these nasty junky noodles that are around today is we're also developing our boost range, our supplement and boost range, okay. which will, which will supplement, you know, our, 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 our noodles. Oh, what's in there? Sorry, it's my brochure. <laughs> so, um, so with, 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 there's, yeah, there's some of our noodles. So with, with these noodles, we call it pimp your noodles. 
okay? And it will be available through our noodle kiosks and also in hotel rooms and so forth to accompany our, our noodles. And there'll be protein boosts, okay? So we've got really cool stuff that, you know, you'll be able to, you know, when you go into a juice bar and you, you, you buy a, I don't know, a carrot and ginger juice and you say, hey, I'll get a wheatgrass shot with that as well, you know, and just really sort of boost up your protein nutritional. We're going to be doing it with our soups. So, you know, we've got cool boosts from everything from uh, quinoa to seaweed boosts, and, you know, just really funky sort of things, you know, you, and you'll just tip it into your soup and, and, and boost up that protein levels, the flavors. We've worked very hard on making sure that, that, that these, these natural protein boosts don't overpower our soup flavors as well. They just really work in harmony. And, uh, you know, you're just getting a, a real maximum protein boost in, in, in a small cup for our noodles. High in protein, high in nutritional value, and you'll be able to get soya sauce, sesame oil, chili oils, but again, really good ones, gluten-free ones as well that you can also personalize your soup with through the vending machine, and again, as I said, through our product in hotel rooms and so on. Yeah, now you're making me hungry. It's 11 o'clock our time, and I'm <laughs> I wish there was one down the street now. Um, any plans for expanding into other countries, or you want to focus on the UK first? No, no, no. We're already expanding into Scandinavia. Um, we, we have, we have our head of uh, Scandinavian sales manager based in Copenhagen, Henrik, and, uh, he's already taken care of our Scandinavian, uh, distribution and said, we've got a number of hotel chains and, 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 uh, and other outlets already taking the product. Um, and that's just beginning. We've got our guy, Ken Mark based in the U S based in Chicago, who's going to be taking care of our U S distribution and sales, which we, he's on the team now. He's already out there, but we're. We're getting UK, Scandinavia, and he's going to be starting to push into the US from sort of late, late this year. Great. Well, and the so, nice thing is you can use, you know, your experience with universities in the UK as a stepping stone to say, hey, we are already in 10,000 sites. So if you don't get in now, you're going to miss the boat. Exactly. Well, the good part with that is because Compass Group, our partner already, it operates massively throughout the U.S. So it's just a natural oh, progression with that client into the U.S. and into their universities and their defense force bases and hospitals and corporates already. So, so yeah, so hopefully that, that will be our natural progression with them. Very exciting. Now, I feel like we could talk for hours, but we're nearing the end of the show here. So I wanted to make sure I asked this one last question that I ask everybody. If you're speaking to your younger self or you're speaking to someone that is stuck at this somewhere in this product development process where they maybe haven't gone to market yet, what advice would you give them to help them take that next step or to give them that push to succeed? Well, never doubt yourself. If you have conviction and you have a dream and you believe with your heart of hearts what you're doing is right, never give up. Follow it through and never look back you know because if you believe in a dream other people will too and they'll follow you and it becomes their dream too wow no i absolutely believe in that there's plenty of examples of other leaders that have been able to do that steve jobs was very polarizing and but uh he was able to propel apple where they're at now and i could see you taking over the noodle world uh <laughs> one country at a time so where can people go and buy your noodles now or where will they be able to find them and how can they find you online? Sure, sure. Online through our website, mrleesnoodles.com uh, and through Amazon. Uh, I said our Amazon, but that'll all be from mid-August. Okay? okay, so they have a little bit patient. I know today's what, August the 2nd or whatever. Well, but, by um, the time this episode airs, I think it's going to be right on the money. 
Fantastic, um, fantastic. So mid-August we'll be online and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have lots and lots of hungry noodle lovers. Excellent. Well, thanks again for coming to the show. I really appreciate your advice and being so transparent and, and helping everyone kind of take that next step forward. I wish you all the success. Um, you certainly deserve it. And good luck to you. And hope maybe we can connect in a couple of years' time and you can talk about, you know, some of your worldwide projects that you have going on. Philip, that'll be awesome and pleasure to meet you. And, and, and thanks for taking time to have this chat. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all I've got for today. Thanks for listening. I put all the links that we've covered under the show notes posted on theproductstartup.com slash episode 17. Join me next week as I speak with Jennifer Harris of Motivo. Jennifer and her design partner, Jeremy, reinvented the walker for an aging population. In addition to creating this recently patented product, they're also running the business and bringing the very first Motivo tour off the production line in September. She talks to us about her journey of problem identification, why updating a decades-old unchanged design was no easy task, and what it's like to bring a new innovative product to the boomer market. So stay tuned next week to hear that episode. Last week, I asked to get your take on the types of guests that we have on the show. And some of you responded back telling me to keep the direction, stay focused on products. And I'm glad to hear that because I personally love products myself and I feel that there's a void in the market for that. So I'd like to follow up with a second question. Many people approach me and say, I can't believe that you talk for 45 to 60 minutes about a physical product or that your guests are willing to interview for that long. I feel that a lot of the shows that are maybe under 30 minutes are too short and you don't have enough time to get into the meat and the detail. Do you prefer the format as it is and keep episodes 45 to 60 minutes long? Or would you prefer that they get chopped up into maybe smaller segments that get distributed throughout the week? Or do you just want to keep it as is and keep the format the same and listen to pieces of the show as time permits? Please just shoot me a note, send me an email, and let me know how you feel about that because I definitely want to create content that works for you and your lifestyle. Thanks again for the support, everybody. I read all of your comments and questions and emails, and I definitely try to incorporate all of that into future shows. So I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast with your host, Philip Valitza. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit theproductstartup.com. Your guide to getting there. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the first firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product businesses. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.